catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. So you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out, everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Never quit. Team never quit. Team never quit radio. You ever think about quitting? It's the combat of life hammering the snot out of you. Well, stand by, dig in deep, and get ready to get fired up with us. Welcome to the Team Never Quit podcast, the number one podcast that inspires you to fight on. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, here with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell. Our mission is to help you embrace the suck of life, to teach you the values of working your ass off, and to interview the most hard-charging people on planet Earth. We know life is hard. It's time for you to suck it up, buttercup, and let us teach you to persevere in every environment imaginable by sharing real-world lessons learned by those who never quit. That's right. It's time, Marcus, for us to help them defeat the well, negative insurgency up, in their lives. You fire me up, man. You fire me up. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. Let's roll. Marcus, when you think about, right, the greatest rescues in history, you think about the greatest rescues uh, of the modern era, man. You got to understand, we got a bunch of those logged in, dude. Um, you know what I mean? I mean, we got Jessica Lynch. We got... It's the highlight moments of wars. It's to do the rescues. Yeah, it's got like the chapter titles, right? When it, In the middle of that, because they are... There's they're some... Uh, was it Dunkirk? Was they didn't do a movie oh, here recently, man? Oh, dude, you see that? Yeah. By uh, the guy uh, who did the one Batman movie that's that's a lot more artistic... And and what is crazy about the Dunkirk movie is the music. Yeah. The music is always this, you know, the impending music that, that's well, coming. Back when we were kids, the, the scariest thing about scary movies was that. The music. The music, man. The Jason music. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, it, and we were thinking about that last night, man. When you look at all, when you go back and you start raising yourself on the movies like we did in the 80s and the 90s, man, it starts becoming such an integrated part. Like. 
I used to love uh, A Bridge Too Far, or I loved all those war movies, The Rescue, or, or uh, The Great Escape, man. I think movies play a massive role oh. in in how fantastic life can be, right? Now, Clinton Black had that song. It's, it's funny how a melody can bring back a memory. And, and we were standing down there when Neutron Dance came on. We were watching oh, Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, Beverly Hills <laughs> I can't hey, even man, do it, dude. Man, you, how do you do it, dude? Hey, and, uh, oh, watching so that movie good. and back into the 80s and what was going on. Oh. That, was, that was so good. So good, dude. <laughs> how many hours? I got a question for you. How often do you use movie lines on a regular basis? Well... I tell people that's how when we join the uh, we go through buds and we get in the SEAL teams, uh, SEAL training jerks our identity away from us and creates this kind of steel cup. And what and the reason we because Melly was getting on me about watching the same movies over and over again. I was like, well, that man, that's how SEALs get our identity. part of our cultural development. If you make a good movie these days and it has some awesome quotes in it. We will literally say those out loud while we're in the midst of combat. Leroy Jenkins! Although that wasn't a movie, man. What oh, are man. some of the greatest movie quotes in history? And uh, oh, I was right in the middle of something. Oh, I'm that? sorry, bro. No, I, how, how great movie quotes make your movie last forever. Something there? Wait a minute. How about... Because oh, you didn't have hey, that. Hey, let's play a game. You want to play a game? Yes. What do you got? first rut. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. 20 worst movie lines in history. Oh. Worst movie lines? Worst movie lines in history. Oh, I probably won't remember them. Yeah. You want they to play? Uh, yeah. yeah. Let's go. Out, right, let's do this. Let's at least try it. All right? Number is it, one. Is there a bell? Do we have to ring a bell to get uh, the first? Just raise your hand. Whoever raises their, the raise their hand first gets the answer. All right. All right? Yeah. <laughs> raise your hand. That's it, not it's you don't Remember, that this is an audible fight show. Fight <laughs> What? What'd you say? I'm not fighting All right, him. number one. He's insane. Here we go. Here we go. I hate to disappoint you, but rubber lips are immune to your charms. That's got to be some... That's from the classic... Wait, hold on. Is that top secret? No. No, no, no. Batman's I, Robin. I, that's Batman. Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin. Zero, zero. I never got that. All no. right. Number... Here we go. I'm sorry, Wilson. Wilson, I'm sorry. That's from Tom Hanks. Yeah, uh, Castaway. Cat- Nobody's raising their hand. That's audible, why. Audible show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm raising my voice. Yeah. No problem with following directions. <laughs> All, right, All go. right. Here we go. Uh, ding, ding. Do you enjoy pain? Pain don't hurt. Ding, ding. That is. You got to from... raise your hand. Well, you said we're doing audibles No, now. you said that. I uh, said you got to raise your hand. you said that. Do you enjoy pain? Pain don't what hurt. It? What is That's it? That's Wesley Snipes in the Dracula movie he was in. <laughs> no, um. Yeah, right? Oh, Blade. Man. No, I can see him saying it. Enjoy pain. Pain don't hurt. Nope. Yeah, pain don't hurt. Uh, uh, I know what it is. No, you already took your guess. A- every which you way took but your loose. Guess. Nope, that's not it either. That's Remember? a good guess, though. Right? Nope, yeah. it's from Roadhouse. Nobody gets that one either. God, Sam Alamitz. All right, so here we go. Yeah, dude, it's when he's sitting there getting his stitches, and she's like, so you got a degree in philosophy, and he's like, yeah, and all that man's search for purpose and all that stuff like that, and anybody who carries their... You can add... 47 or two, three staples to 47 stitches and blah, blah, blah. And it's that and the other. Yeah. That's huh. when he's, right after he gets cut by that blade. You remember that. That yeah. detail. Damn, he's amazing. There you go. All, All right, right here next. You, Are you a, a Mexican or a Mexican? Bing! I know it. It's uh, Johnny Depp and Antonio Berderis and 
It's in uh it's a boxing movie, right? No war. No, you're, you're close. No, it's in Woody Harrelson, and no. I just want to give it to you. No, he, he plays the CIA guy down in Mexico, and it's the second. It's uh, Rodriguez's second film in the series. El Mariachi. <laughs> oh, uh, once upon a time in Mexico. Yeah, that's well. Close. That's the follow up. <laughs> damn close. You can have a half a point. <laughs> so what is I'm it? I'm winning. One, one and a half to zero. Here's the next one. <laughs> Look at that. All right, ready? You. Killing you. I said, put the bunny back in the box. Ding, ding. Raising Arizona? Nope. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Oh, I killed you. I'm killing you. No. I am killing Con you. Air. What? Oh, Con that's Air. right. Nicholas, Con Air. Okay, I said Raising Arizona. That uh, was Nick Cage. I knew he said He it. gets a quarter point. All right. On this one, we're going to follow the rules. <laughs> Con, this goes to whoever <laughs> raises their hand, all right? The answer. I'm 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 straight up playing now. this like Pat Sajak. You you gotta God. raise your hand. Right. So Follow lame. the rules. They may take our lives, but they'll never take <laughs> our women. I think Marcus was first. Ah, that's bullshit. Our freedom. Braveheart. Braveheart. There you go. One and a wait, half. Wait, that's that's the worst line. One. That's like a real line. That's the best line ever. <laughs> yeah, how is that? We one of the we worst? used to scream that. <laughs> great line. In buds, man. Who wrote this article? By the way, I'm trying. To I find think we're so far down a rabbit hole right now. Yeah, we but... gotta bring this back, dude. All right, no, all right. I'm bringing it back the last right one. Now. Here's the right, last go. one. It's essentially go, a tie. Go, 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 go. Whoever go. gets this will be the winner. All right, go. We'll be the winner. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. 5,000 miles to Graceland with Kevin uh, Costner. Uh, yeah, totally. Uh, Vin Diesel. Five, yeah. What? There Fast you go. And, Fast and Furious. Getting warm. There it is. Five. What? Is and it really? Marcus is it? the winner of no the 2018 worst movie line quotes of all time. Congratulations, Marcus. You have won. What are you doing over there? That's this is my, is my new. <laughs> You're not allowed to play stuff into the microphone. <laughs> Why not? That's that's sad. All right, what Welcome. does all this have to do with our guest today? Uh, it's one of our crazy ass rabbit holes that you take us down now. It's nuts, I tell you. All right. Welcome to the Team Never Quit podcast. I'm your host, David Rutherford, with Mister Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell, and. Uh, now the fabricator of the holes, the one who takes you down into the space-time continuum of madness and gets you laugh. Bum bum bum. The way. That hurt. That one hurt. Hey man, have you seen the Vin, Have you seen the Event Horizon? Horizon? Uh, what? Yes. Back in the day. Yeah, but I don't remember it. It's pretty good. Punching what? holes in space. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. So awesome. And if you're just moving, joining uh, us from coming through <laughs> your own space-time travel, welcome to the show. We love to have you. We have got an insanely awesome show on one of the greatest Navy SEAL rescue stories in modern history. Uh, We're so privileged and proud to uh, welcome Jessica to the show. But if it's your first time listening... Man, God bless you. Thanks for, for showing up. If you're a repeat offender and you love the madness that ensues here that comes out of the the corners of our minds, then thank you for coming back. Right? They keep coming back, brother. I know. It's amazing. It's wild, isn't it? I still look at car accidents. I have no idea what that even... I'm totally that confused now. 
car accident. My car accident every 20 minute seconds in my mind. Is that what's happening right now? It just never gets old. Oh my God. Welcome to the show. If you want to know more about what it is we do, then please go check us out at our website at tnqpodcast.com where you can download all the shows we have or you can go to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, just go in your little uh, magnifying glass, type in team. You'll see us pop right up. First one, subscribe. You will we'll be in your head. Morning, noon, and night. You can follow, follow us on CastBox. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. Every podcast platform there is out there, we're, we're, we're on there, and we'd love to have you. And we also want to uh, give a shout-out to our other sponsors. All right? Here you go. All right. Now, if you want merchandise, go to the website, tnqpodcast.com. If you want to follow us on Instagram, the, just check out the, the show at TNQ Podcast. Check out T, Team Never Quit at Team Never Quit. Marcus at Marcus Luttrell, the wizard at the wizard TNQ, and me at Team Frog Logic. I can't believe we just did that that game. Marcus, I'm my brain still is frustrated that you came back with such a vengeance on that. I want to do a full show where we just do stuff like that. One I, whole hour, of one whole madness. hour of just stupid competitions that yeah. I will lose with complete and other devastation. We just start drinking and turn the microphone on. Then we would call well, ourselves the Drinking Brothers Podcast. Yeah, when we do that, when we rally up all the podcasters at the oh you know, out there yeah, out for there. theirs, yeah. that's what we'll do. And then we'll go out and chase you know chase the animals. Oh, <laughs> you know what we could do? We Can could do a simultaneous live podcast all with all of us, right? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, we out there all... with, with the giraffes walking in the background. <laughs> oh, bro, dude, why, dude, why? Every now and then, man, you that's sheer brilliance. I mean, We've been talking about that, I thought. That's what uh, I was talking about. I don't know if we've ever put it out on the air like that, though. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. You know what else would be interesting is if we locked ourselves in a small room, all of us, for 24 hours and just had one microphone running the whole time. I think we could do it. You, They oh, invited. No, I was talking they, about doing a roller skate, like a lock-in roller skate, 24-hour. <laughs> when you went on their show, man, by the way, which was awesome, you invited them awesome. for that whole thing. You know that. Yeah, the, I, I, I think we need right? to make this happen, bro. Do it. What do you think? What do you think, Wizard? Would it be anything fun? Anything is possible. Anything. Not ev- anything. But anything, something. anything. That's certainly anything possible. Anything is possible. Us all anything. drunk, talk, being crazy in yep, a, one room possible. with a microphone? That'll definitely happen. All right. Let's, let's move to it because, I, you know, I'm so excited. This woman is such a, a, a role model for people out there in the world. She's doing great work in education. But would you tell us? The, the details there, Wizard. Break this down and introduce Jessica to our listeners, please. All right, Jessica Buchanan, most of you are probably familiar because this was a major news story uh, several years ago. She's an American teacher. She's now an author, humanitarian speaker. She's a mother, daughter, and a survivor of abduction, which was a kidnapping for ransom in Somalia. It ended in the result in 2012, a team of Navy SEALs raided the compound where she was being held, which is near the town of Gadado. I believe I'm pronouncing that right. And spoiler alert, killed all nine Somali pirates, bringing their two hostages. One was Jessica, as well as her co-worker, Danish citizen Paul Tristed. So how did she get to that point? We're going to go back 2006. She leaves the United States for Africa to become a, to take a teaching position there. Um, 
in various uh, <clears throat> locations in Africa, South Sudan, Uganda, Ken, uh, Kenya, and Rwanda. She continues working in this capacity. 2009, she meets Eric, who becomes, uh, <clears throat> who becomes her, her husband, and she relocates to Somaliland. Uh, when she's once there, she takes the role as regional education advisor for the Danish Demining Group, which was an NGO operating in that, in that part of the continent. Now, in 2011, October, while on a routine field mission, Jessica, along with Thisted, they were abducted at gunpoint and held for ransom um, by a group of Somali land pirates, which totaled for 93 days. She was held outside for the entirety of, of her confinement, uh, starved, terrorized with mock executions and beatings. The, during this process, the, ty- the pirates refused an offer of $1.5 million ransom. I think they were asking for something in the neighborhood of like $40 million. Eventually, her health deteriorated to the point due to a severe kidney infection nearing the point of, uh, of death. So then on January 25th of 2007, Team 6 jumped in and successfully rescued her along with her, with her colleague. And I'm sure she'll go into detail um, talking about that, and it'll be very interesting to hear that from, you know, directly from her. Currently, Jessica, her husband, and two children um, live back in the United States in the... Uh, in the D.C. area, um, she speaks. She still works um, here and there for nonprofits. Most notably, she is an ambassador for the Navy SEAL Foundation. She has a book, the last point I want to mention here, she has a book, The Kidnapping of Jessica Buchanan and Her Dramatic Rescue by SEAL Team 6, which you can go out there and pick up to read. Awesome. Man, I tell you what, I cannot wait to get her on. Here's her story. And uh, just, I mean, what a proud moment for us and our brothers and doing that, dude. We haven't but, had a guest like this yet. No, no. This is uh, new territory. Oh, yeah, man. She's special. She's special to us and everybody else. And I, just kind of my thing, man, you know, because I had to get rescued, too. And my, it's kind of one of them deals. I, I wasn't the last man standing. I was the last man pulled out. And, and when, when you know, when the boys got to turn, when it's turned around on you and they got to come in and get you, man, you kind of make this promise to yourself, uh, you know, I hope I was worth the saving. And she's, from what I understand, truly been worth it and turned around and what she's doing. So I can't wait to finally get a chance to get a face-to-face with her. Me too, man. I can't wait. But before we do, I got one more quote for you. Ready? Name the movie. Hi, we're Navy SEALs. We're here to get you out. (laughs) That's the one that got me. (laughs) Let's bring her on, man. Awesome. Marcus, 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 dude, dude. We are out there, our buddies, you and I, the wizard out there on the front lines in our career, doing the deed, getting it done, in particular when our our friends are out there doing these rescue missions, doing these incredible things that are, are just making America proud, right? And we always say when we get one of our own coming on that it's the greatest thing ever. Well, now... For the first time, brother, we have the objective. The mission itself a is witness. on we the have a witness. witness. We have a witness. We have, do we, can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? Hey, we, have, <laughs> we have one. We have the objective on the show, brother. And I got to tell you, I am super fired up. How about you? Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, man, it's gonna be a good one. I was uh, there's been one other that we had that came on, and I had that same kind of fired up emotion about it, it was uh, you know Laura. 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 Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that was awesome. Yeah. So when you have somebody who is who comes into our family from this direction, man, they, you know they. You never forget them. Oh, they, <laughs> you know and I mean? truly, truly a member of the family. All right. Well, I, I can't. I'm chomping at the bit. I got to get this thing going. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Team Never Quit podcast, Jessica Buchanan. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, well, thank you for having me. This is super exciting. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So uh, one of the things that we always got to do before we jump into the nuts and bolts of, of the show is we've got to put a look, put you under a little duress. Nothing like what you're, you've seen before, but we're <laughs> okay. going to put you under a say, What she said, Wait. this was an exciting moment to be on the show. I was like, well, now, come on now. Your definition of exciting and ours is completely yeah. different. <laughs> yeah. My best. I'll do my best. Awesome. Maybe. awesome. Yeah, no, that's right. No, intense probably, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? All right, so we are going to start off by what we call the Mad Minute. Now, in our line of work, the Mad Minute, as you have gotten before, are you, are, are you Jessica? Are you okay? Can you walk? Do you have shoes? You've gotten a Mad Minute before, but our Mad Minute transcends them all. Okay. It, it, it really is a time and opportunity for us to eh, dig in and really understand the corners of your cognitive reflection. Right? Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure, there's a it lot of cognitive reflection all the time. I've got two little kids. I'm just trying to survive. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. Oh, I know that. We're in feeling. that one too. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? Okay, we all transition together. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. So let's get this thing fired off. Marcus, go ahead, shoot. All right. Your favorite, most embarrassing moment from high school. Oh, I love oh, this one. Oh, man. You know what? Okay. So there I don't know why. Perfect starts out. <laughs> I can pull this out, and you know what? I was embarrassed on behalf of somebody else, but this is really interesting. Okay, mm -hmm. in terms of like girl power. So nice. I've always been—I'm almost six feet tall. I've been that tall since I was in fifth grade, and I was strong. I wasn't necessarily athletic, but you know, I was always active and whatnot. And for some reason. I went to a really tiny little high school and um, we were all leg wrestling. Like this is a thing we would do during our free time. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? When you're like um, flipping each other over, you're like laying on the floor and you're like flipping yep. each other. Oh, yeah, over. Yeah. Yep. So there was an upperclassman, a guy who was like, oh yeah. Cause I kept beating everybody. Okay. And he was like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll leg wrestle you, Jess. <laughs> I beat him. Oh no him across the commons and he i've never <laughs> seen anybody get so embarrassed before and i felt so embarrassed because i beat him and then all of a sudden i thought well you know what i rock you know as like this teenage kid you know especially a girl right i i had the opportunity 
to like take that and turn it into something else. And but I was a little bit embarrassed for him. No, nah, he should be ashamed of himself. But <laughs> well, man, that's in that high school that man, when we're growing, you you have no at that age you don't realize that the girls are get stronger faster than you and oh. grow faster than you. And, and, <laughs> And, that, and I didn't realize it either, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. something like that to happen. And I thought, huh. Well, I've got, I've got four daughters now, two of my own. And my girlfriend's got two daughters and, and I keep down the 10 year old is just becoming this awesome athlete. She's mm-hmm. strong. And so I'm like, no, go out there and take it to them. Yeah, it, exactly. You know? Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I'm going to train my daughter up in everything that I, every pickup line I've ever seen a guy use, she's going to be a ninja. I mean, prepare. <laughs> this is what's going to happen when you get out there. This is what you, I'm like, bless. Yep. Be fun. I love it. <laughs> awesome. All right, wizard, fire away. If you could pick a mentor, anyone in history or alive today that you would want to spend a month with as a personal mentor, who would you choose? Hmm. That's a great question, man. Wow. Thank you. There, there are so many, uh, so many people in history that I admire. Um, I'm going to go with Nelson Mandela. Wow. Nice. Right. And why is that? I mean, talk about fortitude. Never quit, right? Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah, Perseverance. Um, I mean, how he was in prison for over 20 years, I yeah. believe. I think it's like 25, um, 27 or something. Yeah. Like yep. And he was always kind. I think to like go through hardship and and whether, you know, we all are going to be victimized by something at some point. And I think to stay in a state of kindness um, and being able Mm. to operate in a way where you are treating everybody as a human being is something... uh, that takes a lot of work, and I think that somebody like him, who made such a mark in history, I I would um, that would be a ama- that would be an honor. That would be amazing. Sure. Amen. You put anything in a cage, admire, it'll always sure. go back to its instinctual animal, especially a human. So mm-hmm. if uh, you got somebody who can keep that kind of mindset, well, you just you know what kind of was inside of him. He was just yeah. pure goodness, right? Yeah. I mean, just good man. Empathy empathy for sure it's empathy you know one of the great one of the great things that you know i think within our world that and i loved and we can get into this later but in all your interviews you you talk about how the the guys at at, at, you know at at, from damn neck were just you they made you they were kind they were gentle Mm -hmm. with you and and i think that balance to have uh, a presence but a presence with empathy a martin luther Mm -hmm. king a gandhi you know, these people mm-hmm. that were able to say, hey, change can happen, you know, through without violence. And I and Absolutely. I and I love I, I no, agree just, with you. It's proof, dynamic proof that if, if you can come Absolutely. from anything, you look right there. That, so I know that you don't have to act like this if you came from this because we're all created equal. Right. right. We don't finish that way because a life is, is a journey and a game. And, you, mm-hmm. and as you learn and when you see somebody like that. <clears throat> well, I think proof. it's like. I think of it as um, recycling the pain. I yeah. heard that once, you know, like, what are you going to do with your pain? Are you going to like uh. wallow in it? Are you going to let it keep you from moving forward? Or are you going to recycle it? 
and turn it into something. And yeah, Nelson Mandela, Gandhi, um, you know, Mother Teresa. So many, yes, you know, Rosa Parks. I mean, they've recycled. They could have been hard and bitter and just hateful. And, and, and they weren't, and they changed the course of history. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. All right. Next question. This one's is just as serious as that is. All right. What skill set uh, of the guys who rescued you would you love to dedicate some real time to and master any one of the skill sets that they perform in their mission with you? What? Which one would you love to be a master at? Navigation. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I can barely find my way home sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) That's why one of the reasons I never tried to escape is I didn't know which way was which. I I probably would have gotten out and then wandered right back to the camp. So navigation is something that I, I I have a goal because my, we're my husband and I we're big hikers and our kids are always out on the trails. And, and I want to, hike a portion of the Appalachian trail on nice. my own and I'm not there yet, you know, in terms, of, I mean, I know you just follow the trail, but um, <laughs> it's a little more complicated than that. And, and so navigation, that's what I, that's I tell awesome. you what, uh, I, I have 14 acres of the Appalachian trail. So w- when you get ready to do it, you really? yeah, I do. That's <laughs> yeah, wild. Donated to the foundation. Oh, wow. Oh, that's cool. amazing. Uh, well, maybe I can go out there and wander around. Oh, yeah, there. We're yeah. Build a, yeah, we're building a, retreat out there so that's cool we'll man i used to teach land navigation to when i was an instructor and i know the funniest stories in the world in all instruction happen during land navigation hands oh my down gosh. my favorite one i i've had like two kids show up and they've lost their map you know they were like <laughs> six hours late like i'm i'm like i'm waiting on now i'm starting to ready to do the emergency response plans all this stuff <laughs> they show up and it, they're like, I, 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 I took a break and, and then I lost my map. And oh, I'm like, no. what? <laughs> when you're sitting on top of the mountain or the crevice or the hill and you put your map down to get something to drink and it's, you just sit uh... down and put a it's... <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Oh, rookie mistake. Yeah. All right, fire away, well, Mark. serious, too. Yeah. If you could join the circus, what would you do? Awesome. Oh, man. You know, I think this is like so cliche but i do the trapeze three for three i'm the only one who wants to do the clown show it's because you've already got a job i mean everybody says the trapeze why the circus shut down Very, I you know, know what i mean well that's why the that's why they got circus yeah. LA. yeah well, that's yeah, right. right there that, wow, which yeah. i actually just saw recently which was amazing which you one? went to cirque du soleil oh, amazing yeah. which one wow. what show uh, the original one. Oh yeah, good. The original one. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, wizard, fire away. All right, let's see. Would you rather rule the world as is, or live in a completely utopia, uh, utopian world with absolutely no problems to solve or difficulties to suffer? Oh, interesting question, man. What's up, Jordan Peterson? Mm. Man, that's pretty philosophical. Yeah, there. Oh, my mm. gosh, dude. I was just kidding about melting your mind earlier, but I guess the wizard has taken it literally. Uh-huh. I think that I 
Oh man, that's a really hard question. I think as is, because I think there's something to be said for suffering. Amen. It's proven. It's proven to make the best of us. Suffering is a core component of the human Mm -hmm. condition, which Mm -hmm. brings out the best in all of us. Look at all those people you were just talking about. Profound suffering that Mm -hmm. translated into world-changing events. Mm -hmm. So when you get to the utopia and you're sitting around and all the goodness, you have great stories to tell. I -hmm. like where your head's at, bud. Mm -hmm. Crazy philosophical wizardry. I saw a bumper sticker somewhere. (laughs) 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 All right. All right. Here you go. What is the greatest issue facing the children in Africa, and how can we fix it? Oh, guys. We're hammering you right now. Man. Uh, Well, think about it, man. She spent so much time there with these kids. Yeah, but this is a mad minute, not the mad moment. Yeah, we should... You know, Bad moment. We, we can expand Brought on it later. <laughs> oh, it so depends on which African country you're talking about. If you're talking about boys or girls, I think um, I'm going to go with education yeah. for all equity. Um, girls should be allowed to be educated instead of married off at 10, 11, 12 years old. Um the patriarchal societies in a lot of these places are uh, what are holding development back. Um, so equity, equality. I, I agree, man. That hmm. was the, I remember my first trip to Afghanistan in 2002. And I remember we, our first little, little recon we did out in the vehicles, right. To see if they'd work. And, and we drove up, man. And it was the first time I saw young girls in burkas. It was the first time I saw that, that flagrant aggression and the brutality mm. And I, I was like, all right, let's just get in a gunfight with these guys right here, right now. You know, I mean, mm. this is obscene. And mm. that was really the thing that, ult, you know, shifted my consciousness to want to mm-hmm. go and reach out and work with children myself with Frog mm. Logic was to create that sense of education and self-confidence. Mm-hmm. For- uh, well, everything runs off of education, spawns from mm-hmm. that. And you can't take that away from somebody. That's the greatest gift about it. Exactly. Yeah, the treasure is kind of encompassed in your head there. That's the Mm -hmm. treasure box. And as you fill it full Mm -hmm. of the treasure, it cannot be taken from you. And you can go in any direction, even if they suppress you and you're Mm -hmm. in there. You still, people have to be around you. That's how all that stuff underground gets passed around. And Mm -hmm. it's true. I mean, there's a reason why we know what happened all the way back then, right? Because they they learned it. And it's so important. These days, you like what's that game? Rumor. You play when you're in school. You tell one kid about yeah. the thing. Like, right. Operator, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, but with that, it has to be so precise because there's. Not, I don't think there's any, as many outside influences. Sign, you know, the the right. TVs and everything mm-hmm. making the st- uh, the perspective up. Right. Boy, that was I went way off. On no, that no, one. you're good. I love that rabbit hole. We started I get, it with that question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Marcus. Last question. Favorite superhero. My mom. Nice. Nice. Two in a row. I love it, man. We are on a roll with that. These questions. (laughs) I love it. Tell us why. Well, she's passed now um, and I miss her very much. Um, She lost her family when she was just a little kid and she navigated life. Um, She had three Three beautiful children that she loved more than anything, and she had to overcome a lot because um, you don't 
you know, you don't come out the other end of losing your parents and brothers and things and, and without, you don't come out of that unscathed. And, um, you know, I guess I wish she were here so I could tell her and I, um, but man, she's a superhero. She fought tooth and nail every single day to, to see the bright side. And whenever I run into anybody that knew my mom or the kids that I went to school with, um, all they remember, I mean, they remember so much about her, but what they really remember about her is her laugh. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And you know, she, uh, she was sunshine and she was a thunderstorm at the same time. Yeah. And, um, she did. She just, she is my superhero. Wow. That was really beautiful. Thank yeah. you for sharing that you with call us. Call my mom right now. Thank you. you. Mom. Yes. Call your mom. Yeah. Call your mom. Mama Lava, I love you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Right. <laughs> and Mark, your mom Mark is, is just literally is like a corner. Right it literally <laughs> is. Texting his mom right now, Jessica. You're welcome. All right. Well, I think that's the perfect pivot point for us. To shift and and we want to thank you very much for those answers in our mad. I got us at what? What do you got us at, Wizard? Uh, I, I stopped counting. Oh, I got us at like thirteen twenty-two. All right, so that's a little bit more. We appreciate it. Um, but obviously, uh, you know, it, the reason why we're here is to get into um a, a deeper philosophical mindset i think a mindset that you have proven and above and beyond and jessica if you would would you please share with our listeners your greatest never quit story or stories well i think my greatest never quit story um if you just exclude general life, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, right. Yeah. started on October 25th, 2011. And I was in Galkayo, Somalia, which a lot of people ask me, how the hell did you end up there? <laughs> I grew up in Ohio and I'm a school teacher. Um, but I started teaching, um, I got a job in Nairobi, Kenya, like uh, 2000, yeah, 2008, 2007. Can I, can I ask a quick ca- question? Yeah. I, I mean, being a teacher is noble in and of itself. What was, what was the, what prompted you to want to go to Africa to teach? Oh, you know, I think I was young enough and dumb enough to think that I could actually like make a difference. Awesome. So I, I really and truly believe that to whom much is given, much is required. I still believe that. Like awesome. I have been given all these these gifts. I have been given education um, that my parents worked very hard to give me. Um, I have been given the uh, gift of critical thinking and problem solving. Um, I've been given the gift of having English as my first language. Um, there are a lot of people out there who want to learn English. So I just started traveling and teaching and, you know, I loved it. And I, of course I love being in the different cultures and, um, it's not all altruistic. I got a lot out of it for myself too, but, um, I ended up teaching in an international school okay. in Nairobi, Kenya. And then I met my husband, um, Eric, who's, uh, hails from Sweden 
um, while I was teaching there. And he's basically the equivalent of a human rights lawyer. And he um, was working in Somalia, working in prisons, like with prison reform. I mean, literally like getting children and women who had been wrongfully imprisoned, um, getting them out. Um, working with judicial systems, helping parliaments get set up. And I found that wildly attractive. So <laughs> I, uh, I followed him up to Somalia Wow! and started teaching and uh, working for a non-governmental organization, an NGO, a Danish organization um, that was doing mine, like mine clearance, like landmine clearance yeah. and uh, explosive uh, disposals and uh, educational. There was an educational component that I, I was working on. So I was writing curriculum and I, I was traveling all over East Africa. I mean, I was living for me. It was my dream, like yeah. going into these villages and seeing people in places that you only see a National Geographic and working with like really grassroots working on these communities with kids um, to help them understand, like if you see something shiny on the ground, don't pick it up because right. it's going to blow your arms off. Um, so, you know, really like direct impact kind of uh, projects. And so um, I had gone down to Galkayo um, in October of 2011 to just do a staff training. Um, mm-hmm. I managed different staff um, all over East Africa. And um, I, did my training. We did a couple of days of training. And, um, as we loaded up into our, we had a three car, like a three armed vehicle convoy. Um, can I, can I hop we, in real quick? Yeah? I, th- I think one of the things that people don't understand, I think there's a lot of what the hell are they doing in these war? They're just mm-hmm. out there throwing caution, but you guys have very significant security profiles and protocols in place. Don't absolutely, you? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we had, a security advisor that was um, stationed in Nairobi who uh, would rove around and, and, and get a feel for all of the security situations at all of our field offices. We had security advisors in, on the ground in the field offices. We had armored cars. We had uh, armed guards that escorted us. We followed all of the yep. um, security protocols. I was not just some do-gooder out there gallivanting <laughs> through the deserts of Somalia. Um, I followed all of the standard protocol. I mean, the UN had a presence there. Lots of organizations were working there. Um, again, yes, it's not like, you know, super safe, like Cincinnati, Ohio or something. You know, it, it is. You, you, you are putting yourself at risk, and I readily accept that. Um, Oh, he's like but, the teacher but, wing know. of the military. I mean, you kind of look at it like that underneath the guard. Yeah. We have what we do. And, I mean, you hear the word teacher, you're looking in a schoolhouse and a town, this, that, and the other. But, I mean, the through, real world, through the though. Te- test, I mean, through history, there's teachers like you that, that learn and get out. And that's how, yeah. I mean, how do you think we learn about the other countries? Our guys, we go over there, exactly. do all that stuff, come back, and then you apply it to how good we have it over here. So, I mean, it's the, the education arm of the military. A- absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's necessary if you're going to actually go in and have any impact. You that's know? how you change the, you, you yeah. the kids. That's how you change the war. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you <laughs> You're all fired up. I love when you get fired <laughs> up. But you got the big guy fired up, Jessica. I love that. <laughs> I know where this is going, man. I can't. <laughs> so, so we were headed back um, to our guest house. It was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, I'm in the middle vehicle. 
uh, with my colleague and a couple of other local staff. Um, and somebody cut us off. We were about 10 minutes in route and somebody uh, blocked us, came up in front of us and splashed mud all over our windows and our windshield. And then um, basically a fight ensued. Um, all the local staff were pulled out of our vehicle and a, a Somali guy dressed in a police uniform crawled in next to me and put an AK to my head and started screaming oh. at the driver, um, who was also local staff, to, to, to start driving. And so we headed south um, out of town, and that was the beginning of a 93-day nightmare. Oh. Um, so that night, we drove all through the night into the desert. I didn't, it took me like, I mean, it sounds stupid, but really it took me a couple hours to figure out what was going on. You know, I thought I was holding on to hope, like maybe we're being carjacked and they're just yeah. going to, um, you know, take our phones and our money and jewelry and whatnot and kick us out into the desert and we can find our, again, navigational skills, yeah. <laughs> somehow figure <laughs> out a way home. Um, but they just kept driving and they kept changing personnel and, uh, there was, just this very pivotal moment a couple hours into it where my colleague who was in the front seat, he turned around to look at me and I think check on me and make sure I was okay. And I just said, what, what's happening? Yeah. And he, and he just, I mean, I will never forget the look of pity that came across his face and he was just, Jessica, we're being kidnapped. He knew, did he know right away that what was going on? He didn't have any doubt as you're trying to rationalize the hierarchy of severity, but he, I'm sure he did. Yeah. I'm sure he caught on. I, you know, I, I was much more, I think ignorant and probably a little more optimistic. I'm sure I, we never really talked about it. Oh, I don't know how long okay. it took him to, to figure it out. Um, uh, but then, you know, they drove us around for hours and, and we I knew we were heading South and I didn't know, what I didn't know at that moment was who had taken us. It took us a, a long time to figure out who had taken us. And of course, in that area of the world, the most concerning, <laughs> the most concerning part is, is this Al-Shabaab? Yeah, oh, absolutely. absolutely. If this is Al-Shabaab, I am a young woman. I'm an American. It's over. Yeah, it's a, it's a propaganda video for sure. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm done. Had, can I ask a quick question? Had you had any kidnap training at all? I'd had a little bit. We'd had an internal um, kind of like a, a week long training with a lot of, you know, first aid, um, trauma kind of related training. And there had been a small section about kidnapping. Um, and what I remembered, my takeaway from that, that, that came back to me during the first, you know, 48, 72 hours of, of my captivity was that if I made it through the first 24 hours alive, then the chances of me surviving were pretty good. Um, and I needed to have a phone number memorized. Okay. Um, and fortunately I could remember my dad's phone number. It was the only phone number I couldn't remember. Eric's phone, my husband's phone number. I could wow. remember my dad's phone number. I mean, it took me a while. I had to like write it down several times before I could get all the digits correct, but it didn't matter because they had disconnected all the phones anyway. Um, and that they were going to ask me a series of security questions. So, um, I was prepared when they asked me about my 
first car that I drove or the name of my first dog or, you know, cause they needed to, uh, verify my identity. So, um, yeah. So the, that first night, um, basically what they did is they, they stopped us. Uh, we were in a caravan of vehicles and, um, they marched us out into the desert. Um, and then they, uh, basically, performed a mock execution so i they wanted to make sure we were good and scared right um and and you know one had had and this is i'm you know i had you ever read any literature on kidnappings had you ever read it or seen any movies about it was anything going through your mind about wow how, how, like, uh, help us understand how you were. This is nothing ad- like I ever envisioned on the TVs. Yeah. Or was it playing out? Yeah. How, how are you prepared? How are you? What were your reflection points? What mm. were you anchoring the progression of that never quit mindset to? I think that, you know, I had. <clears throat> Yeah, sure. I'd seen lots of movies where kidnappings had taken place. Um, my number one fear, other than being killed, um, was being sexually assaulted. Right. I was the only woman there um, through the entire course of the captivity. I mean, being surrounded by 30-some men all night long and in the, the middle boys of the, I mean, too, the, high, the boys yeah. that are high and their impression. Yeah. I mean, that's the part of your 60 minutes interview that really just hits me was that how pronounced that the voice. And then you look around, you're like, these are children. Yeah. Yeah. These are the same kids that I can, I'm working with. And, and you know, and it turns out that the same child that was in the vehicle the night of my abduction sitting there with an AK-47. About six days later, he comes out from around a tree and I see him wearing this red um, bracelet, like a silicone bracelet. Uh-huh. He gets closer to me and it's my product. I had designed that bracelet. No! He had been to one of our education sessions. Yeah, it was that. the it was the community. They were part of the community that we had been working in. The irony of that is... Yeah. Ugh. I mean, that's... It's it gutted me, and I had to sit there. Obviously, there was nothing else to do. I had to sit there, sit there with it, and and think like, what do I really believe? Like, I mean, more than just like a a life and situational crisis. It was an existential crisis for me. Yes. Like, you know, I I grew up in a, a very uh, religious uh, environment, and and that was a lot of what perpetuated my belief system and, 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 and compelled me to go out and do the things that I did. Like, do I really believe that in this and in helping my fellow humans and when they're all they're doing is just plotting to come and, you know, kidnap me. And, and at the, and the, at the end of the day, I thought, well, you know, like I understand why they did it. Yeah. You know, they're hungry. Yeah. They're hungry. They're hungry. And if somebody is going to pay you $20 a day and give you all the chat you want and you can feed your babies at home and you have no other options, 
Oh, especially yeah, if you're not from around there. Yeah, especially if you're not yeah. from around there. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah, at so, this point, how many other people are in the group with you? How many other cap, uh, captives? Just, just my you, colleagues. Mr. Thiston. Just all. Yeah. Okay. Well, you, I'm sorry to digress on that, but I, I just, it's fascinating to me the, the process that an individual has to go through in, in, in just keeping themselves strong. Can you, mm-hmm. can you go back to the moment where they do the mock execution? Cause I know we, we do, we go through what's called SEER training where mm-hmm. we are exposed to that on a regular basis and, and, mm-hmm. and how you, you know, how you manage your emotions in that, how you move through it. You know, can you describe that moment for us a little bit in detail? I think that moment where I thought I was going to be executed, where I thought I was going to be beheaded, I just, I asked my mom. Wow. She passed, she passed away um, just a little over a year before I asked her um, for dignity. How I want to be dignified. You know, you you maybe play out. I think a lot of people play out. What is the end of their life going to look like? And when you're in a, a a situation where you think that this might be it, am I going to scream? Am I going to cry? Am I going to beg for mercy? And I didn't. I just kept walking. And I asked my mom to help to meet me on the other side. Wow. Help me be strong. Help me be dignified. I want to. I want the end to be peaceful and calm. Wow. And I think that that's kind of how this, the, the, that, that was kind of the attitude I carried through the entire thing. You know, I, there were a couple of moments where I lost it and I would cry because I, I didn't, they didn't understand. I had gotten very sick at one point and I needed medicine. I needed a doctor. I was so sick and I was so frustrated and it, it, it didn't ever do any good. It just made them matter. Right. You know, like, you know, and I often thought like, of other people, other friends that I knew or colleagues that I worked with. And I thought, Oh, they would have been terrible in this situation. (laughs) They would have been been throwing things. You know, I I think that a large part of my survival, my success in survival was the fact that I was able to just keep my eyes on the ground keep my head together and just carry through with that, that prayer. Like, please help me stay dignified because you know what? I am not an animal and I'm not going to act like one, no matter what you do to me. I am a human being. I am strong and I'm not going to let you break me down. Victor, Victor Frankel in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, has, you know, really digs into dignity. Mm-hmm. And being in the concentration camps of Auschwitz and Dachau, and, and he describes how the SS stripped him of his dignity to the point where mm-hmm. he 
wanted to commit suicide. He wanted to end it. He didn't go on. But then it was this deep-rooted sense of love for his wife that mm-hmm. allowed him to, to march on in this horrific, of, the most horrific of horrific environments that we've almost ever created. Can you describe to our listeners how that dignity that you anchored yourself in that prayer and that memory of your mother, can you describe how it built, how it strengthened, how it got better with, you know, I mean, 93 days is an incredible amount of time in particular as you're suffering from all the ailments that you were experiencing. You know, I think that, I think that I felt a sense of duty. I, I, that resonates with me, what you just said uh, about his love for his wife. You know, I, um, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that my mother had passed so recently. I felt a sense of duty to survive. Like I can't leave my sister to be the only girl left in the family. Like I can't let my dad lose someone else. You know, I can't, I can't leave Eric, um, to live this life without me. Like, not that I'm so important or anything, but in your family unit, you know, you, you are. And, and I, I, I just felt this. I did. I I think that's what I would call it a sense of duty to survive that it's, you know, it's not just about me and my life. It's about the effect that my life or the loss of my life would have on the people around me. Um, and I, it's funny cause I don't think I knew or understood how loved I was, you know, until, until I came home and I, I was reunited with my best friend. And I just remember I was staying in a hotel in DC and she came to the door and she just was shaking. And I, it was that moment when I realized I, I am loved. <laughs> you know, that's so awesome. And how many people go through their whole lives not knowing, not understanding that? And I think I'm really lucky. Do you feel that, Marcus? Oh, sure. And it's tough when you first get snatched up, right? I mean, I don't yeah. care how much training you got. When they go through, when they're going to execute you, you're like, okay, this is how we're going to do the introduction. I yeah. mean, this is how we're going to step this thing off, and then. <laughs> I remember, uh, I think one of the best things that happened to me was I was sick. And probably that you mm-hmm. were sick, too, because what happens is is you're a monetary thing, right? We kind of mm-hmm. keep to, in order to keep you alive, they can't beat yeah. on you as hard, and they got to go no. get you medicine. Right. And um, I just, every time they the shift change, you know, they come in crews, right? I imagine mm-hmm. you had three, three shift changes, probably. Yeah. And um, I started pairing them up with somebody that I have in my family, like a crazy uncle mm-hmm. who doesn't like everybody, but I know, and then you know how to deal with them. So when he would yes. come in and you don't placate them because they'll pick up on that, and, yeah. uh, especially with kids. Cause when the kids would come in, you're kind of like a people aquarium. They're all looking at you and then the teenagers <laughs> yeah. would come in and they're just, you know, know. brushing their mustaches. And, yeah. <laughs> and I would, I, every time they would get down and pray, I would get down and, and pray with them. And then you're like, okay, well he believes in God too. And then he, if you treat, 
Look, if someone's next to you, no matter how it starts out, if you're genuinely just nice to them, the bond, there's just that human bond inside where they're showing them love that they've never had before. And mm -hmm. it, the longer you're there, it goes from, hey, they're not just doing this because uh, they're trying to get away. It's because they're truly forming a bond. Because what else is there? You're like, hey, look, I know I'm going to die. If I'm going to die here, man, I'm, I'm going to at least have a friend. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> and, uh, you have to build up a, a sense of camaraderie, you know? I mean, as weird and bizarre as it is, right? Oh, sure, I mean, yeah. And when they roll in, you, that pressure goes down because, like, okay, I know what he's gonna, what's going to happen here. But what you couldn't anticipate was the existentials outside. Like, oh, he probably just got whipped on, so he's going to come in, and I'm the, I'm the punching bag. That's all right. You know, you don't get mad at him. He's like, oh, that was a good one. <laughs> that that mm -hmm. kind of thing. And you're, you kind of forget about the whole rescue and everything like that. It's just a matter of dealing with the day-to-day -day issues. Yeah. And you're right, man. They're, it's a, uh, that chaos could show up, especially if there's something going on in the distance. You hear people screaming you're like, all right, what's about to come through the door? And mm -hmm. every I, my big thing was every time because the door didn't fit right in the in the jam. So they would have to kick it open. And I, I mm -hmm. just got to sit there. You're going to talk about what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> it got to the point where Gulag would laugh. He's like, there's nothing. Just calm down. I'm like, OK, mm -hmm. are you sure? I think in a way I was really fortunate because I was never put in any kind of structure. I could always see what was going on. I was just sitting under a tree all day and then I slept out in the open all night. So in a sense, I, you know, always, I could always see the trucks coming in when they were coming. Of course, then I could see who was coming and sometimes right. that was not a good thing. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, I get what you're saying. I can, that, no, really I like right. that. You're, you're right. Cause I was, I got moved outside a lot too, especially because, and that's mm -hmm. when I knew someone was coming in because they would try and hide me and you can see everything from out there and it's more peaceful. Yeah. And, and, yeah. uh, uh, yeah, when you got that 360, you basically can watch your own back. Right. When totally. You're in the, it in, makes you feel more empowered. Right. Absolutely. Because, and it gets so yeah. dark out there being in that flat terrain. You're right. you take off running out there where, where you're going to go. Cause even when the sun comes up, that's why they drove you so far out there. You know, in the mountains yeah. or in the city, you can duck around a corner and literally just stand right. still and they'll leave, you know, leave, leave looking for right. you. Um, but if you're hurt, like I, I couldn't walk. So I had to be carried everywhere. And with you, it's a similar man. They, they took your legs away from you because of the distance. Yeah. And, you know, that, usually the mechanisms that we use to facilitate ourselves out of a bad situation, the, the smart ones can take that from you. And then yeah. the mind training about, hey, you know, this will happen if you leave out of here. That's mm -hmm. quintessential um, conditioning, if you will. Yeah. And yeah. It's just, man, you just got to hold on to them little things. Totally. <laughs> can, totally. Jessica, can you talk about I, what, what I found fascinating was the relationships that Marcus was talking about? Can mm -hmm. you, and you talk a little bit about in a lot of the other interviews. Can you talk about how those relationships evolved over those three months? Yeah, I mean, once you figured out who was bad and who was not so bad, then it got <laughs> a little bit easier, right? The different levels there were. We, uh, Paul and I developed, we, we came up with nicknames for everybody mm -hmm. so we could, like, talk in code. Uh, I remember one guy named, we called him Rotten, because um, he was rotten on the outside and on the inside. He was so mean. He was so mean. Um, and his teeth were all rotted out from the chat and, and the tea that they drink. Um, I think the person that I really, I did, I formed a friendship of sorts with, um, was a man named Dair, and we called him Helper. 
Um, he was a driver and, and he never carried a, uh, a weapon. He was a driver. He was meticulous in the way he kept his car. He cleaned it every day and it was his prized possession. If somebody accidentally hit the, the, the end of their gun or messed up the top of it, I mean, he would go ballistic on them. Um, he was religious. He prayed five times a day. Um, there were not a lot of guys that prayed and um, they were not the religious sort. Um, that, and I think that I like to, I'd like to clarify that this was not a ideological, uh, situation. Right. It was not that kind of kidnapping. It was all about money. money yeah. Just a, it was just a transaction. Um, but he had eight children wow. at home. Um, he sometimes was so ashamed of what he was a part of that he couldn't even look me in the eye and he would just say over and over to me, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Wow. Um, he would go for a couple of, and, and, and he would go for like his R and R and, um, I would be so emotional and, um, upset when he would leave because he slept next to me wow. every single night he was there to protect me. I know it was to protect me. Wow. Um, and I was afraid of what would happen to me when he left. And, um, you know, he would come back and he would always bring me something like, you know, soap or uh, peace. maybe. He'd bring um, in some peace. That's, yeah. I, I had the same thing happen yeah. with me, too. And it's yeah. funny because the way I was, you just, you know, I take care of myself. But I, mm-hmm. I would revel when he would come through that door and when he would lay down i i would kind of like all right you know, everything's yeah. a little bit everything relax a little bit sure. right yeah. in the middle of just absolute madness um, and i think again it was that dignity piece yeah you know he made me feel he saw me as a human being so um and 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 in forming that 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 friendship or camaraderie, you know, then we were able to get information, you know, right. from him. Not that it was, you know, all that helpful, but still. Um, and, and and can you talk about that? Because those everything that, you know, Marcus talks about and other people have been in situations, you know, Paul Plum, who was, you know, in the Hanoi Hilton for 2,103 days, you know, he, he taught, they all, everyone, all of you talk about these little pieces of, of dignity, little pieces of positivity, little pieces of, of something that helps you go that, that inch. Can you talk about some of those things in your daily routine that you look forward to that you were like, okay, this is what I, this is good. This is going to get me to the to the next hour, to the next minute. Mm-hmm. I think there was always a sense of dread. I, I, I think I, it was like my ears always woke up before my eyes in the morning. You know, I could, is, mm. I could hear the birds and I could hear the going, the stirrings in the camp before my eyes ever opened. And, and it was just this, this feeling of dread of like, how am I going to make it through another day? Like, how am I going to get through another day? And then the, the hope then that I would feel at six o'clock as the sun was going down, I made it through another day. The, the feelings of accomplishment, you know, um, were huge. Uh, every day that I made it through, 
Another um, day down, another forward. I, know, I still say exactly. that. Exactly. I, I still say that every day. Another, another day down, another forward. Yeah. I think um, a huge component for me uh, that I haven't, I, I think it's taken me a little while to work it out. Uh, you know, I'm sure you feel the same way that you're still discovering things about your experience. You know, it's not like you figured out all of it. It still creeps up and you think of something like, wow, okay, I, I did learn something through that, that I, this is new. This is something new to ponder. But, um, being kept outdoors, um, was a huge blessing for me in terms of my sanity, like keeping my mental faculties together, um, being able to watch the sun set and watch the sun come up, um, those were huge gifts that I even recognized then that I, the African sunrise and sunsets are unbelievable, incredible. Yeah. Unbelievable. And, and to, to, it sounds, I don't want it to sound so trite or cliche, but I mean, for me, it was like, I am alive and I am seeing something so astounding and so unbelievably beautiful that most people don't get to see this. You know, and, and those are the things that I had to hold on to. You know, sometimes I was hanging by my fingernails, but those are the things, you know, that that feeling the the grass as I would walk to a bush, you know, those those very like um tactile experiences of of my senses. Yeah. I think I really tapped into those. What this grass feels like on the end of my fingertips, what this sun looks like to my eyes as it's going down. I, I it becomes very, very like Connect. all about senses. Connected. Yeah. Yeah. Very connected. Yeah. Um wow. I I I I, I mean I could this is unbelievable. I think this is the core of of what we need as human beings, right? As those in these dark moments to anchor ourselves to our more connected selves. Can you now describe the where the sickness got dire and you and then lead into the rescue itself and what that was like? Because I, I think when your body breaks down is is when that, you know, we we like I've seen it with friends of mine who've died of cancer or, or, or addicts. You know, mm -hmm. when that body begins to break down, it really starts to tear down the mind as well, too. Can you mm -hmm. describe that and Absolutely. then go into the rescue? Yeah. So, I mean, we were always struggling with GI issues because, yeah, I mean, you're living out in the desert. Like, I, I, you know, there's so much dirt and sand and we were eating like maybe when we did get food, like out of big pots of rice with everybody using their hands. And, you know, I mean, we were just always sick. Um, but I got a really bad urinary tract infection, actually. Um, it was really painful, could not get medication. And it, it got, it went so, um, the infection got so bad that it turned into a kidney infection. Oh, it went systemic. And, yeah. And I knew what that, I knew what it was because I'd had one before and I had been, I actually had had surgery and had to be hospitalized for a week. Like, oh. I mean, I knew that this, 
this is not good for me. I, I don't know. I don't have the, the reserves um, or the immunity to fight this infection off. And my last proof of life call was January 16th, 2012. I didn't know it then, but I, I know it now. Um, and I said to our family communicator, you know, she asked me how, you know, how are you doing? And of course, normally I'd be like, ah, I'm not okay, but you know, I guess I'm okay given the circumstances. And, and this time I said, I am not okay. I am sick. I am so sick. If you guys don't do something, I'm going to die out here. Wow. I, I like, this is nine one one, like SOS, like do something now because I'm, I'm hallucinating. I have a raging fever. I can, I lost the ability to walk. I was crawling across, you know, scrub to a bush to be right. sick. Um, very undignified. <laughs> and, and, um, you know, days went on, we ended up staying in the same camp, you know, we just never knew when we were going to move around. Sometimes we'd move around three or four times in a day or at night. Sometimes we would stay four or five days in one place. We'd been at this camp for about six days. Um, and I thought, you know, they're getting lazy, um, yeah, or they're running out of places to go. Right. And, um, and it was the windy season. So the wind would just kick up and you couldn't even hear, you couldn't even have a conversation. But every once in a while, the wind would die down. And uh, Paul and I could hear a motor or something. We thought maybe we were near the sea. Maybe it's a generator from a boat. We knew we weren't near a city because we couldn't see any lights at night. So, but we could hear something, some sort of machine, but we couldn't figure out what it was. And um, it was January 24th, uh, 2012, we um, all, you know, went to bed, um, meaning we moved our mat out into the middle of the uh, a field. And um, Paul and I were not really allowed to talk to each other. So he was sleeping at another uh, maybe 500 yards away. Um, I couldn't see him uh, with another uh, set of the kidnappers and I, I would always go to sleep at night. Um, as the sun would go down, there were always two stars that came out at the same time every night. And I didn't know that until I was out there, like right. watching the sky every night. And so, of course, I attributed those stars to my mom. And I used, you know, I kind of uh, personified them. And, and, and I would talk to her and, and kind of give her a rundown on my day. And, and, and this night I said, you know, mama, I need you to go tell God that he needs to do something now because, um, I don't think, I don't think I'm going to make it out of here alive. Wow. And I, I went to sleep with that, that thought on my mind, you know, I, I wasn't giving up, but I was feeling pretty desperate. Right. And, um, I woke up probably somewhere around midnight. Uh, it was very dark. Uh, there, there was no moon that night. Um, there were nine guys guarding us on the ground. So it was a small group, and they were all passed out. There was always at least one that was keeping watch. Um, but everybody was stone cold out. Wow. Um, and I woke up because I, I was sick. And I was not allowed to leave my mat without permission. So I would always say toilet and wait for somebody to acknowledge me and tell me I could, you know, go leave. I was really sick. Um, no one would wake up. So I had a small pen light that they had given me and I was, I was flashing it as I, I decided to just take a risk and go find the nearest bush. And the whole time I'm holding it up, flashing it because I want them to, to know I didn't try to escape. Yeah. 
Um, and you know, I do my thing. I'm sick. I come back to my mat. I lay down and I can hear this, uh, scratching noise and the scruff, like an animal uh-huh. or something is coming towards me. And I thought there were these really big, you know, those big like dung beetles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come, well, there was something like that. They would come out at night and they would like crawl in my blankets and uh-huh. they would get my, and I like was not in the mood. Not cannot deal. So I got up and I like shook my blanket out. I'm just, like going through my hair there was nothing. I couldn't find anything. So I lay back down, you know, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm so much pain. It takes so much effort to do all this. And I right. like roll myself up like a burrito in my blanket, which is actually, I still sleep that way. Now I have to like roll myself up in a blanket in order to wow, like one of the effects, I guess. The yep. aftermath. Um, and I keep hearing this, this something, something's coming toward me. And I, I do this a couple of times. Finally, I give up. I'm like, I know I, my body needs to sleep. And then Helper was sleeping next to me and he actually jumps up and I hear him start to whisper, scream to all the other guys to wake up. And I I pulled the blanket away from my face and I can't really see because it's so dark. Um, And then about 30 seconds later, the night just erupts into automatic gunfire. And all I can think is, I'm really not going to get out of this alive, am I? Wow. Because in my mind, I thought, well, it's it's um it's another group coming to kidnap yeah. us, like right. It never occurred to me that it could be anything else. And I'm hearing the most awful things that I've ever heard. Um, men are dying all around me, and um, then somebody grabs my arms and my legs, and I'm trying to kick back. I'm trying to push them off. Um, and somebody pulls the blanket away from my face, and it's just dark, you know, like. The sky is dark and there's these dark faces or these masks or something. Can't figure out what it is. And then I hear this young man say my name and he sounds just like my, my baby brother. And, and he says, Jessica, and no one had called me my name for 93 days. They'd given me a Somali, Somali nickname that they, they called me by. And, um, he says, Jessica, stop kicking me. (laughs) <laughs> and he says, um, we're the American military, you know, you're safe. We're going to, we're going to take you home. We, we know how sick you've been. Um, you know, you're going to be okay. Wow. And, um, all I can say, I'm like sitting up now and I can kind of make out that there are, um, a lot of soldiers around me. And all I can say over and over again is, you're American? <laughs> you're American? Yeah, wait, what? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I just, like, I'm in so much shock. What are y'all shock. doing out here? Nice <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> to see you here. What are you doing out here? <laughs> Remember, my navigational skills are not How did you I just can't. And then I just start, I just remember, I'm shaking, I'm shaking, I'm shaking, I'm shaking. And, um, you know, somebody gives me some clean water and gives me some medicine right away. Oh yeah. Powerful. And he says, you know, we've been watching you. Um, you know, do you know where your shoes are? 
I don't know where my, I, I, I don't know where, you know, I can't even, I can't think. I don't know how my mind, my brain has slowed down to like, not like not moving, not working at all. And, and then one of the guys is like, well, you know, we've got to move. So he just <clears throat> picks me up and like throws me over his shoulder and just takes off running. And, and I'm just like bouncing along, like thinking, like I can still feel I, I am still alive, right? Like <laughs> I, I like I didn't die in the middle of all of this. I'm not dreaming. I think I'm still alive. And and um, we get to a a point where he puts me down, and I can see a little bit better now. And I mean, there's all of these people, all of these Americans, and I ask them, "Where's Paul? Where's my colleague? Did he make it out okay?" And um, he's sitting right there, and he takes my hand and he leans over and he says, Jessica, do you know who these guys are? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, I don't really care, Paul. <laughs> I, yeah. And he's like, Jess, this is SEAL Team 6. These are the guys that got Bin Laden. And I was just like, okay, I think I'm still alive. <laughs> Uh -huh. You know, and then one of the same guy that that carried me out, he says, you know, I'm going to go and get your shoes because um, we have to try to walk to get to the helicopters. And I don't know. Something just comes over me. And I say, while you're out there, would you mind bringing me this black powder bag? It was they they let me take it the night that I was kidnapped and it doesn't really have anything in it, it, it but it's mine. And he looked at me and he just, he totally got it. Yeah. Like he, he totally understood. Like, again, it was the dignity piece, right? Yep. Like, sure, I'm going to go walk out into whatever <laughs> carnage and bring back your shoes and your powder bag. You won't believe what we do for our women. I'm not done yet. Uh -huh. So he comes back carrying a small suitcase. And I'm like, oh, I hate to tell you this, but that's not the right bag. And he's, he looks at me like, oh, my gosh, seriously? But, I mean, like, the recognition of, like, his wife probably sent him in to get something, and he brought the wrong thing back. I go in there with this lady. He just, like, throws the suitcase down, goes back out, brings me my powder bag, and I just burst into tears. I'm just like, yeah, I just, it's, it was one of those moments that I will never forget that I, and I, I, you know, I laugh about it now. It's yeah. funny, but it's like so significant to me, you know, like <laughs> you, you can't, you came out of nowhere and put your life at risk for someone you don't know. And this is what you like live to do. And then you go out twice to get me some stupid bag. Like, <laughs> I don't, it's just, it's amazing. So, you know, and then we sit there and, um, at one point, they, they're not sure the premises are completely secure, so they tell us to lay down. And um, so a couple of them lay down on top of Paul and I, and then um, the rest of them form a circle around us. Yeah. And I'm just laying there. So powerful. Yeah, I just, I, you know, I, I can't, I can, I can never get through this story without. No, please. It's incredible. It's incredible. And 
then, you know, finally the helicopters come in and we're able to, um, to get, I, I, to get, get on them and, and get out and finally leave the desert. And, and I'm in so much shock, you know, we land somewhere and then we get on a plane and then we're going somewhere else. I mean, there's just so much going on and, um, I can't talk like I can't. And I, there was one, one of the guys that was sitting next to me and asking me a couple of questions and I can't think I, my mind isn't processing. I, I, I'm worried that I've lost all my social right. uh, capabilities. Right. You know, maybe I won't ever be able to have conversations again, but uh, one of them comes over to me and um, you know, he just very humbly and very quietly kneels down in front of me and my back's like I'm sitting on a plane with my back uh, like glued to the wall and he hands me a folded object like a fabric or something and I look down and it's the American flag he just says welcome home Jessica Uh, hmm. and then I then then the tears came and then it's like okay wow I survived your second chance yeah. Marcus, did you nice feel work. that? Nice work. Nice yeah, work. Yeah, That's just tough. You, yeah, I, man, we're so proud of you for handling yeah. that and getting through that. Amen. For not quitting. Yeah, that's worth going to get you. Heck how yeah. special you are. Anybody go through all that? You're absolutely well, worth I'm saving. Sure, I'm sure glad you did. I'm sure glad you did. Amen. Yeah. My boys wow. are good. Um. Jeez, I'm 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 moved by that. Uh, you know, I, I you never imagine. At least I never. Um, you, you know, when you when you have that that cognitive dissonance of 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 what you're doing that is more it 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 lives in the remoteness of the ideology, right? Protecting freedom, protecting mm-hmm. democracy, but yet to be so intimately connected to it and the core goodness the core dignity of what america represents in mm-hmm. that moment is powerful mm-hmm. you know I, you know oh, the, the lock on that hey when when you get surrounded by our boys that happened to me too mm-hmm. waiting for the helo and you mm-hmm. see it coming in the distance and that, that old thing man when they surround you and sit down on you they're like mm-hmm. hey, can't, can't nothing touch me now Mm-hmm. That's like good feeling. Yeah. Yep. I like, mean, right. even in the midst of all that, we're still here, but I, yeah, you are, I, we're all right. <laughs> that sense yeah. of relief and that, that, yeah. and that allowed it. What I'm hearing from you and correct me if I'm wrong, that allowed the 93 days of, of grit and perseverance to finally release. And you, now all of a sudden that, you know, your limbic system just completely lets go exactly. and you're, overwhelmed and you can you can finally you know allow that emotion to to be exposed and this joy and all all, every emotion absolutely yeah i mean to to be in a safe space not just for my body and my mind but for my emotions yeah um it's well i mean it's indescribable really yeah um yeah Yeah, that's crazy. That right there made you want to go yeah, back. I couldn't get away from it. Wow, mm-hmm. that's power. <laughs> that's huge. Oh, yeah. 
All right, can you... Jessica, I, I think the question now, you know, the million-dollar question is, how has this changed your outlook on life, you know? And in addition to that, you know, you have two beautiful young children now, and mm -hmm. that everything in your experience translates into your parenting, I assume, mm -hmm. and how you pass those lessons learned on to them, and, like, what do you teach them that has manifested itself out of... Has it been the positive ramification of, you know that whole ordeal you went through? Great question. I think with my kids, you know, they're still little, um, but my husband and I talk a lot about um, hard work and how, mm, if I, I don't want to sound judgmental, but I don't, it's hard to come by these days, you know? Yeah. Kids, kids are, kids mm -hmm. are not, forced to work hard in a way nope. that I was when I was a kid or how my dad was. And he was here for breakfast this morning and I was just talking to him about that. Um, I'm a teacher, so I, I see it from a couple of different sides. Um, we are really, I teach outdoor education. So my passion really is getting kids outside so that they can become empowered um, by developing perseverance and self-confidence through all of the, the things that being outdoors provides. Um, and a lot of that is failure. Amen. You know? I mean, it translates to my four-year-old falling off a tree stump. Well, you know, it's going to hurt for a little while, but you're going to be okay. <laughs> and I'm not going to come over there and pick you up or they get stuck in a tree. Yeah, you're going to have to look around, come up with a strategy, figure it out. It's going to take some time, but you're in a pickle. You're going to uh, have to figure it I, out. I do that too. And or I'm like, or figure out a way where I can get you down. Either way, let me know when I get back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and if you're going to freak out, well, that's going to take even longer because you're going to have to calm yourself down and figure it out. So I think that um, if that makes sense, that's kind of how I'm, I'm trying to impart those lessons to my kids. It's about mm -hmm. perseverance, and it's about, um, you know, <laughs> staying calm and thinking things through. Um, and, and I really, really want them to develop resilience. Um, and I'm going to have to let them fail and it's going to hurt and it's not easy as a parent, but I know that if, you know, I, I, I do attribute a lot of my survival success, I guess you can say, <laughs> um, to the fact that my parents let me fail. And, and I worked hard, you know, I remember mm. my dad's a furniture maker and I was just talking to my husband about this yesterday. We were just talking about chores. You know, I was five years old and I was hauling, I was shoveling wood chips and shavings into a wheelbarrow and taking them out to the shavings pile awesome. when I was five years old and he'd pay me 10 cents a load. Mm. And, you know, I want my kids to have that. Yeah. And I, I think that that. I think that that means that that and I'm trying that's what I'm trying to do with my my work in um now in in teaching outdoor education and got a nonprofit and and all of that for kids to develop resilience and um self-confidence through being outside. Well, well tell us hmm. about that. Tell us what, you know, what you're teaching, where you're teaching it, 
and and really how people can come to understand and and get a hold of you and follow you and all that. So I do a little, I still do a little speaking and sharing the story. Um, a lot of it, what I do is for the Navy SEAL Foundation or our different entities that are associated with the Navy SEALs. They're my well, favorite group of people. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you. Do not thank me. Um, so, but I am, I teach at a Title I school um, out in the Washington, D.C. area. So we have um, a big group of socioeconomically challenged children who, um, have uh, food security uh, issues and access issues. And um, so basically what I'm doing is starting an, our outdoor education program again. It, we had a, a really good established program going, but had a reconstruction and, and now we're starting again. Um, eventually what we hope to do, what we're trying to raise money to do is um, start an urban farm on the campus of the school. We've Whoa. got an acre and we're um, gonna grow food for a cafeteria. And we're trying, we've got about 60% of our student population eats most of their meals at the school. So um, we would like to get healthier food into the cafeteria. We'd like the kids to grow it themselves so that they're connected to the earth and they're connected to themselves and and their own health. Um, And also feel empowered. How empowering is it to like create your own food source Um, and also teach skills about you know, those things, those self-confidence, those perseverance, um, resiliency things through hard work. So Amen. that's what I'm doing now. I am with the Holland Meadows uh, Partnership for Outdoor Education. And then you can also read about uh, my uh, captivity experience and rescue. Um, you can get my book on Amazon. Um Impossible Odds, The Kidnapping of Jessica Buchanan and Her Dramatic Rescue by SEAL Team 6. It is, is, is the movie still in the works, too? Oh, that's always something. Um, I, I think we're still... I think uh, it's, it is. It's available now, if anybody's interested. Right on, right on. Well... I, I got to tell you, Jessica. Pete's always asking me. For- yeah, right. I, I got to tell you, it's it's listening to your story firsthand and 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 seeing, seeing the way you talk about dignity is really um, inspiring to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's it's funny as we started this out in the mad minute and talking about the the positivity of suffering and, and what it, what it actually does for us to be able to spread a message of perseverance and self-confidence is, is profound. And you certainly uh, have taken the experience and, and are, are doing great things with it. I, I I know that always Mm. sounds like a contradiction in terms, right. To, to suffer profoundly, but then to, you know, go and utilize it as, as this wonderful educational tool. A lot of people don't, can't do that, but you are. Mm. And for that, uh, it's just, uh, I commend you and I just, it, you, you're, you're, uh, you, you make us proud in the community for who you are and what you're doing. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. That's very kind mm-hmm. and very generous. And, um, I think that, I just want to thank you for your service. You know, if, if it weren't for you and your community, I wouldn't be here. 
Um, I really truly believe that. And, and my two uh, rambunctious kiddos would not be here. And um, my family is indebted and so grateful. Well, it's, uh, we were talking about this the other day. In a situation that presents itself when you go through it, it can either push you in one or two directions, right? It can engulf you, and then you just come back and just sh- and and give back the hate part of it, right? Mm-hmm. That happened to me. I'm going to pass that down. Or you can yeah. you go the other way with that with that hate and and mm-hmm. go the good route and dispel it and keep mm-hmm. it away from everybody around you because you look at it like eh, somebody had to go through that. That had that was going to happen regardless, right? That was that exactly. stitch in time. So I mean, I yep. I kind of the one that volunteered for it and uh, I had to test myself. Yep. Exactly. You came out of that and and surround yourself with people that care about and that's the thing about when you come back home you're like wow well i sure did miss y'all i tell everybody i mean i'll even butt dial my buddies and i'm like hey man i'm sorry but i love you hang on because <laughs> you normally don't tell people that it's the the yeah. stuff that you take for granted we train yeah. so hard and and we encompass ourselves in our community and we ultimately we call it teamwork or motivation but it's actually love right it's the love we yeah. have for each other to do all that and mm-hmm. um oh yeah you're our most, you know, you're our prized possession, and, and there's no way nothing was going to happen to you once we got you in our hands. I, I, I talked to some of them guys, so um, bless you for that, and thank you for coming on here on a Sunday. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been, it's, you know, the thing I, I sometimes it's hard to, to, to conjure up the story again and, and whatnot, but I always leave feeling just grateful. Cool. Oh awesome well we're grateful for you jessica thank you thank you so much thank you god bless you and your family take care thank you take care take care you too bye all right marcus dude one of the coolest moments i think we've had so far on the show was just watching you two guys, you and Jessica, talk about it, man. What a remarkable woman, huh? Oh, yeah. 93 days in the bush, and the, the, the positivity, once again, that she brings to the experience is unbelievable. Sure. Well, you, what made me think I was, uh, what she was telling that was, doesn't matter you're a man or a woman, you're in that situation of survival, it's, it all, all the emotions are kind of the same. That's an interesting perspective right there. Cause yeah, I mean, none, we, none of that didn't matter. Nothing matters other than that. So not your, where you're from, skin color, male, female. When you're all in that, you know, when you're in that situation, you're just kind of like, okay, survival. Survival is primal. Yeah. And it cuts through to the rawest emotions, the rawest thoughts. Now, as an expert in yeah, that. Yeah, food, water bathroom right well the the big ones was the positivity i heard yeah, that's, keep, the, that's the, the human part of it yeah yeah C- can you talk a little bit about that Sp- the specificity of you know again anchoring yourself on one little thing to go the I, next right inch. and her thing about dignity she, she, yeah and i know that's important for uh a lot of people and the lucky part about our training is they ripped that away from us yeah. i never had to worry about that so whatever you're doing to me it didn't matter because that's training kind of this is the op if, right. if you will so i i focused when she was talking about that a lot and that is important i mean a lady and her dignity that's huge i mean in the very least you always show them that and uh and there's a reason for that because of how important they are to us and um 
it's important that you, you always have to hold on to something. Yeah. Right. And my my saving grace was I was in a family inside of all that. Yeah. So I was be, you know, yeah. and, and I had that emotional attachment, and it didn't take me very long to to connect with that. With her, she had to let everything play out, diet, calm down. Then the boredom set in. Then the you know, there's yeah. a pattern to everything, whether it's the short, short condensed version of it and everything happens in that amount of time or the long version of it is played out. And um, one day down, the next forward. I mean, yeah. you, that's, you don't count them or anything. You start doing that, you lose your mind because you, you see how many days you are away from anything. And it's, right. it's a matter of perspective. I mean, I was thinking about nine, three days. That's, that's two, uh, three months of SEAL training, Hell Week included and everything yep. like that. And you kind of. If you have something to relate it off of, so I knew I could stay up for five and a half days automatically, and luckily that's what I had to do. That's right. kind of cut off at that. After that, I was getting in the sick part. That throws a whole different uh, snake in that basket. Yeah. And and in her capacity, it was because it was monetary thing. They had to have her alive, and and the sicker she got, yeah. that that kind of just. It's funny that was that that made everything go right. Get, right. Getting sick, and same thing happened to me. I was get, I was getting sick too, and um, they were. They expended every medical asset they had on me to keep me alive. and um, The villagers. It, the villagers. Yeah. And they didn't do that for her. So that was her kind of – it's funny when you're in that situation, they'll, they'll be up. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you do. There's going to be an evil part of it always pressing in there. Right. And, um, I learned that in, in going through Hell Week, too, the shift change. Yeah. Oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> I love you and hate you in the same breath. Right. (laughs) And when she was talking about how those guys got um, at night, get stoned out of their mind and they were younger and passed out. Well, that'd have been our opening. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. It'd have been over right. Yeah. Eventually because of that. Yeah. And um, when you were asking if she played attention during kidnapping training, and uh, I thought about that too. Luckily, I was a calm guy, and I mean, I yeah. had all my skill set, so I yeah. had to know it. But even if you're not a calm guy, you know, you don't, you breeze through the calm brief. Right, right. You better hope you're paying attention to those emergency freaks. Yeah, <laughs> you know right, what I'm about? right, totally. So I was lucky in that capacity because I was trained in it. Yeah, and it was just, uh, but everything she had to go through. I mean, it's kind of quintessential when someone goes to that degree of depravity, the uh, condition, you know, the torture part yeah. of it, then, then the, the kill part of it in the beginning, the mock. I mean, I, you know, I go through all of that. Yeah. So, uh, never lose your dignity. Yeah. The, uh, we lost it in training. So the more they did, the more training I had kind of looked at it, but that's what keeps you alive and is your dignity. And I like to say, man, when all else fails and it's coming down to that moment, be brave. Yeah. That's cool. I, I like that concept. What do you think wizard? I think the thing that kept going through my mind was, um, you know, if you think back to the worst evolutions, for example, in Buds, those were the open-ended ones where it's, is this run going to be a mile? Is it going to be <laughs> 10 miles? Is, it, is this evolution going to last 20 minutes? Is this evolution going to last six hours? Is it ever going to end? <clears throat> that whole situation for her, and I don't know, maybe Marcus, you can speak to this as well, is it's the open-ended timeline of everything. How long is this ordeal going to last? And then on top of that, the difficulty beyond just the initial shock of being thrown into this, and I wanted to ask her the question, I didn't, it just didn't present itself, was dealing with that open-endedness as well as all the other elements that you see to try to gain some kind of control of your situation, understand, which she spoke to a little bit with the, you know, trying to identify who her captors were, their characteristics, being able to somewhat anticipate what they may do next, 
You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, well, you can't control it. That's the part. You can just try and get good in it and train in it, mm-hmm. train in it to get good in, in those chaotic situations. That, again, that's what happened with the blessing about SEAL training is in the beginning, we we're all like, all right, how long is this run going to be? But then you get to the point where, hey, man, it's just part of it. Just do it. Yeah, this, it's 20 years of training. Bud's just lets, lets all the team guys know that we have what it takes to even to be in there. And then you have to earn your rep. And like I said, as you make rank, it's not – the rank doesn't put you above another team guy. It just means you got to deal with this crap that comes with the job. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's over when it's over. I, mean, yeah. I would always say that, especially when we went back to Ramadi. I was like, hey, this mission ain't over until we're, until we're back home in, in, in the States, right? Mm-hmm. But – you know what we say, man, the only way you can measure your good times are off your bad ones. I bet her taste on life, as in mine, is just a lot sweeter. Amen. If you're tuning in for the first time, how sweet is this? I'm telling you what, welcome to the Team Never Quit podcast. We're so happy you chose to join us on this. If you're a fan of Jessica and just finding us now, thank you for your time and your patience through our mad 12 minutes or or whatever it was, but to be able to get into what I I know was a powerful, powerful show for you. And I there is no doubt in my military mind that you can take several incredible pearls of wisdom away from that exchange, well, Jessica's story and the exchange with her and Marcus and their wisdom in, in that situation. If you're coming back for more, and you are a devout listener, thank you so much. We really appreciate you and your support of us. If you want to know more about the show itself, or, uh, you know, find all the shows, who we've interviewed, how to find them, how to follow them, man, please visit our website at tnqpodcast.com where you'll be able to you know, download the shows along with a bunch of other places out there. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Stitcher, and on pretty much every podcast platform out there, you can find us. Um, If you want to follow us for some crazy reason, uh, you can find all of us on social media. You can follow the podcast at TNQ Podcast. You can follow Team Never Quit at Team Never Quit. Marcus at Marcus Luttrell. Uh, the Wizard, just uh, at the Wizard TNQ, and I'm at Team Frog Logic. All right. We always like to finish the show with a, a listener never quit story. Here, here we go. And this one's from Sam. Dear Team Never Quit, I listen to your podcast weekly, and I have some never quit gear that turns people's heads as I walk by. I was perfectly I was a perfectly normal kid up until four years old. Then boom, I fell to the ground. My parents originally thought I was just a clumsy kid. A week later, boom, I fell again. And my parents took me to the hospital. This is where the doctor delivered the news that changed the trajectory of my life. The doctor said I had epilepsy. For people that don't know much about epilepsy, for people that don't know much about epilepsy is where nerve cell activity in the brain is interrupted, which in turn causes an abnormality in the brain wiring of a person. Having abnormal brain activity causes convulsions, muscle spasms, 
and a loss of consciousness. There are around 1.3 million people in the United States that have epilepsy, and and epilepsy is the fourth most common neurological problem. Now, I headed into the battle of a lifetime. Doctors said it would be a one in a one million shot that I would find a medicine that would work to treat my specific type of seizures. My type was called grand mal seizures. They would last 10 to 20 seconds and I would lose consciousness. Some days I would have upwards of 100 seizures a day. In preschool, I had to wear a foam helmet in school just in case I had a seizure. Luckily for me, I had an awesome team of fighters that would not settle for me being drugged up in my life. My team consisted of my dad, mama, sister, Dr. Wyshynski, neurologist, and the world's best nanny, Eileen. Despite all odds and hitting dead ends with many other treatments, we ended up finding a drug that works called Topamax. I took it three times a day, and at eight years old, I became medication-free. I still had an uphill battle in overcoming many learning disabilities, but I decided to focus in and propel myself in my real abilities. People doubted that I could ever join the United States Marine Corps, but I did and went on to serve two tours in Afghanistan, each lasting seven months. I received a combat action for a firefight in Kajaki. I left the Marine Corps as a sergeant. Then I went on two Boston marathons, five Marine Corps marathons, and completed 200 milers one of them under 24 hours, and a go-ruck heavy. I will never give up, for I know God has worked too hard in creating me for much, much more than to stare at my setbacks, for they have become my comebacks. I will give God all the glory in my sex. I will give God all the glory in my success. It's because of him I am where I am. Sincerely, your team never quit teammate, Sam. Sam, hoo-yah, brother. Man, I love that story, dude. That gets me fired up, dude. I mean, the guy fought through all epilepsy, find the meds, got it under control, joined the Corps. I mean, Semper Fi, Sam. I mean, that's epic, dude. Sam, thank you so much for writing in. Get me fired up to close out this story. I love your story, brother. I have no (laughs) doubt it will help all kinds of people out there. I also want to thank, man, Jessica, what an amazing lady you are. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for your dignity that you shared with our guests, our listeners, and with the world, really, with your story. Uh, I just wish you all the best. God bless you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Christ. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, girls. Thank you, my parents, man, my mom. Thank you, mom for teaching me to have dignity in my failure as well, too. And thank you, gents. God bless. Damn good job. That's what a Marine's supposed to do, right? Just kind of power through it and prove that life is a journey. And Jessica, you proved that, too. I mean, you get through that. You can get through anything. Never forget uh, who you are, where you came from. And uh, all due respect, your dignity flies above most. So 
You never lost it. Great job. And uh, thanks thanks to the Holy Family for letting us do this. Thanks to my family for letting us do this. And thanks to the T&Q family for letting us do this. Without you guys, uh, I mean, we're just kind of connecting to the dots with the people who impact you guys more and more every day. And, and for that, it's a blessing. And I'm out. Ow. Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. <laughs>